from a teacher and as one of my good friends who actually became my best man, the bet was that I wouldn't ask Teresa Deck out and we bet a cheeseburger and french fries. Man. That night I called her, heard her voice. It was special. <laughs> After 52 years, it's still special. <laughs> 52 years of marriage. Yeah. Five two, yeah. Yeah, here's my question, Bob. How good was the cheeseburger? Because <laughs> <clears throat> you won that bet, right? Yeah, but it was at McDonald's when hamburgers were 25 cents. <laughs> and you had to walk up and get it. And there was oh, man. Yeah. So you, you didn't grow up here, right? right. Where, where did you guys grow up? Uh, we grew up in central Illinois, close to the Terre Haute, Indiana, that mm -hmm. area. Bob lived in the country, and I lived in a little town about the size of what, Minburn? Yeah. Yeah, so small town, central Illinois. We went to high school together, but didn't really run in the same friend circles till our senior year. Yeah, okay. So, so you, asked, you asked her out as a senior in high school. So how long did you date? When did you guys get married? Um, we uh, dated two years. We, I went to junior college, and he went to junior college, and then... The same guy that bet him the ham cheeseburger, one night they decided over beer that they'd go to Eastern Illinois University. So <laughs> they bailed out of the uh, <laughs> junior college. And then, <laughs> and then I followed suit. We got married and finished college in e at Eastern Illinois. Okay. So we're right in central Illinois. Yeah, okay. Yeah, look at this. Here's the wedding photo, <laughs> right? Bob, you had some hair. Then. I did. You did. That's what 52 years of marriage. <laughs> 52 <laughs> years. Okay. Yeah. So, so you've been married for 52 years. So, talk about like early years of marriage. You, you guys were young when you got married. Very young. Right. Yeah. Both of you 20 when you got married. Yeah. So, what what did that? What did those early years look like? How long were you married before you started having kids? What what were those early years like? Uh, we got married and then uh, lived in student housing and college, and then Bob uh, went into the reserves and military, so what was it, just a few months after we had gotten married, he left for basic training, basic training right. did that, and we then finished school and then taught school together um, around Decatur, Illinois. Okay. Did that for, uh, I don't remember. Five years. Five or six years. It was about, we were, had been married about six years when we had our first child. Okay. Okay. So, so during those, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, so during those early years, you're both teaching. We're both teaching. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then later you started having kids and that changed, right? Right. So first five or six years you're married, two incomes, just the two of you, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then, and then you had kids. And how many, how many kids you have? Four. Four kids. How many grandkids you got now? Twelve. Okay. Well, yeah, there they are. Cousin, cousin camp. Every summer, right? Mm -hmm. Every summer. We've had 14, I think. Yeah. 14 cousin camps. We, yeah. we started when, uh, Jackson, who some of you know, was about, five, I think, five or six. And then we decided that there were three the first year. 
um, and maybe there were four. I can't remember if Lincoln came or not the first time. But then uh, Carter's tell me, yeah, he did. We decided they had to be toilet trained before they could come. There you go. There you Prerequisite. Go. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I like but it. I was teaching, and then I realized that I was missing a lot of things when my son was a baby. And when the babysitter said to me, I said, oh, he's starting to walk. And she said, oh, yeah, he's been doing that about a week. Mm. So I really fell apart and told Bob, I said, I can't do this. Maybe for Jason, they'd be okay. But for me, I can't work full time and do this. So then our lives got pretty turbulent, really. Okay. Okay, so both teaching, two incomes, which we talked about this the other day, 52 years ago, two incomes looked a lot different than it does today, right? Yes. <clears throat> so Jason is starting to walk, and Teresa has a desire to not work anymore. So how did, how did you come to that decision that she's going to stay at home now? First time we took her to the babysitter, she started weeping. I knew some changes had to be made. So I left my teaching job. She stayed at home. And uh, I worked in the agriculture field, first as a salesman, then as an agronomist. I went back to school and got my agronomy degree. And then uh, life was okay. We didn't go out to eat much as a lot of couples I'm sure here have that same thing looking at them. Um, but we were happy. Yeah. Uh, one of the problems was the job I had, I had to do a lot of traveling. So I was gone a lot, three and four nights a week. And my wife had to stay eventually with four kids. Mm -hmm. And it was some turmoil, I'm sure. And um, but we, just because of the Lord was with us, we didn't miss a meal. We didn't miss paying any bills. We're thankful for that. Yeah, yeah. So there was, there was some location change during that time, right? Yes. We, lived, we taught school in Macon, Illinois, which is down by Decatur. Then we moved north to Spring Valley, Illinois, which is closer to Chicago. Then we moved back down to central Illinois. And then... I got a promotion, was moved to Ohio, then changed jobs, changed companies, and came to Iowa. Okay. And so that's, that's the venue that we've had. Yeah. And uh, it was tough on our kids as they grew. <clears throat> sure, sure. So Bob's in a different field now, working, traveling. Teresa, you're staying at home with kids. How, how difficult was that season for you? It, it was, it could be, it was difficult. It could be difficult. It was very good in lots of ways, but it was difficult. I had bout of depression. I got seriously ill with uh, irritable bowel syndrome. And I, we think about these things. I haven't thought about these things for a long time. <laughs> um, and it, it, so it was tough. There were tough times. Yeah. yeah. But God was faithful. And <clears throat> we, in all the midst of that, we found uh, or God found us, and we went or became involved in a church that grew our faith immensely. Mm. We got to see a picture, that picture of God, and I think, oh, I always feel like he kind of 
completed our faith circle that we got to see that and grow mature in that. So in spite of all the other stuff, Bob worked really hard and long and was successful. And we were able to, to take care of things financially. Our, our kids have even said that to us. Our oldest son said, how in the world did you do that? I don't know. <laughs> you don't know. God. <laughs> yeah. Grace of God. And we never gave up our faith. I got to say that. This woman here has been a huge influence on me. And I've been blessed with her so many times. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, think, I think in our culture, there's this myth of finding the right balance in work and family, mm -hmm. right? So, but during this season of time for you guys, Bob, you're traveling a lot with work. You're at home with as the family's growing, eventually four kids, right? So in the midst of that season and moving to different places and job changes and all those things, how did you focus on your relationship with the Lord? How did you focus on your relationship together? You want to start? Sure. Okay. I think the big thing was to communicate and talk and be real with each other and to know that... Um, the decision we made was pleasing to the Lord and that uh, that we had to do the work, you know. We had to balance the money. We, like you said, we didn't do a lot of extra things. We lived in a nice place, you know, and that we and our ch children were provided for, but um, we didn't do a lot of extras, to be quite honest. I don't know if I answered that question mm -hmm. completely or not. Yeah. So, and we spent time, we went through a series, I think, talking, taking care of each other, um, and then spending time with each other apart from our children. Okay. I think that was significant. His job afforded us that trips that we could go, didn't have to pay for anything. Okay. And I think as I look back that worked really well. I remember there was a marriage session when they said, you should spend time with each other specifically and nothing else should interfere. So for example, Friday mornings is your date day and nobody makes any plans other than that. Uh, we did, we tried that a little bit, it didn't work so good. But. <laughs> Not really. I call it the three C's, Christ-centered communication. Communication is so, so important to you young couples. It may be laying in bed at night and just talking, sometimes crying, sometimes laughing about the day. But you've got to communicate. That is so important. To me, it's the number one priority after Christ-centered. Hmm. So how, how do you communicate when the kids are loud? <laughs> Something. Yeah, yeah, we did. We had, uh, but we had a, we had a son, for instance, that we had a hallway in our house, and he'd climb up to the ceiling so he could touch the ceiling. And it, I mean, yeah, but anyway, um, <clears throat> when I'd get home at the end of the week, sometimes, not always, but sometimes, Teresa said, "You got him." 
I knew exactly what she was talking about. And whenever you have uh, some energetic kids, and most of you know Leslie, who's our daughter that goes to church here, um, it's just a time when I knew I had to get with the kids and she had to be by herself and have some free time. I had free time at night. It's lonely eating dinner by yourself on the road, but I had the free time. She didn't. And so I think how we handled it was we knew our roles whenever we were okay. together as a mom and dad. Yeah, 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 that's good, that's good. So eventually <clears throat> the kids grow up, right? They're like puppies. Eventually they grow up and they're not as cute as they were when they were babies, right? Probably not. Yeah, so, so the, the, the parenting season is, is changing, right, as the kids get older. What, what's the age difference between oldest to youngest? Jason, eight years. Eight years, eight years. okay. So, so eight years, oldest to, to youngest. You get a couple in the middle there. So eventually they start graduating high school and moving out of the home. So how do you share, share some wisdom with us about foundational things that you did when they were at home that helped send them out of the home? You can ask Leslie when you see her, but we were in church every time it was time to be in church. Sunday school, used to have Sunday school back in the old days. Church, obviously. Wednesday night service, and we always, some of you won't like this, we always made our kids where our girls wear dresses. <laughs> and, you know, but we prayed every meal, and that is important to have a meal a day with your kids. If possible. Mm. If possible. And uh, you pray. Um, I prayed for my kids when they were in their mother's wombs. I prayed for their spouses when they were in their mother's wombs. And God has been gracious because we have four kids, believers, 12 grandkids, believers. That's only by the grace of God and those early prayers. Yeah, yeah. Now ask the question again. What, what foundational things did you guys have in place with the kids when they were at home that helped send them out of the home? Um, that, that they had to do their work. They had to do schoolwork well. Okay. Um, they had to have good hygiene. <laughs> okay. Uh, they had to um, be respectful of their brothers and sisters, of their brother and sisters. That sometimes is hard, you know. It worked on that. Um, they had to eat with us, you know. We didn't have screens, you guys. That was, you know, um, when, when they went to college, you know, they were, when our last two were in high school, cell phones were just starting to come out. Okay. So we didn't have that. Television was off limits on certain times, and at night we didn't watch a lot of television. We did, but we at least tried to limit it on that particular instance. There was a time period where I... Um, did devotions with them on a daily basis. Child evangelism had a little devotional book, okay. so we tried to do that. We did fairly good at it, but yes, again, that didn't last forever. Sure. We're not 
perfect, you guys, in what we consistently did all the time. Uh, I prayed for them, and they knew I was praying for them. Mm. I would pray over them. I would pray for them. And this might seem kind of corny to you, but I prayed for their room. I prayed over them. I prayed for our house. Um, I prayed for Bob and I that uh, we would be good parents and love them and, and guide them and give them directives of things that they could do. Yeah. It's part of that. That's good. So, and so, I fed them, fed them water. <coughs> did, did that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, there they are. There's our <clears throat> yeah, yeah, all of them. Yeah. Kids, grandkids, everybody together. Blessing. But that doesn't mean, you know, that it was perfect and they all didn't do ornery things. Sure. Or wasn't, didn't do stupid stuff. Sure. We did too, you know, when we were younger. And yeah. So there were events. They have to make their own decision when they're going to follow Christ or go that pathway. Mm -hmm. Some did that early. Some just did that recently. Yeah. So it, it's, it's a... It's a time thing. You, sure. We do the, we do, I, what do I say? We do the feed and water and God does rest. Yeah, yeah. So lots of, lots of prayer and, and being disciplined in that, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think I learned, <clears throat> I learned that uh, when we went to Ohio. Okay. I didn't want to go yeah. move to Ohio, my God. Why would I want to go to Ohio? <laughs> I'm an Illinois girl. And you know, you kind of, we had to go there. You kind of had to throw me in the car and go. So, um, yeah. But it worked out to be a, a huge blessing. Good, good. So, so how did the, how did the family dynamics change for you guys as, because there's an eight year gap mm -hmm. from oldest to youngest. So how did, how did the family dynamics at home start changing as they're starting to leave the home? Other than just the number getting smaller in in the house. I think you were you were still working. He was still working. He was not teaching. He was still working. Okay. So he was still working a long times. And when our youngest was in fifth grade, I started back to teaching. Okay. So then uh, we had that. So there were two incomes, and then there was two girls at home, and the rest of them were gone. And um, I don't know when it started. We started doing some missions trips, I think, about this time, about when, when our kids were starting to leave and uh, doing some work on that line. Uh, it wasn't always perfect trips. I went to China thinking I was going to get to North Korea. And, you know, this, this was a learning thing. I was 50-some years old at that time, and I thought, I got, I got to go teach people how to, grow crops so they can be fed. Huh. Well, I had a missionary in China ask me to come because they could get me into North Korea. And all my friends said, it's not a good thing you're doing. It's not the right thing. But I goofed because I went and I never got to North Korea, which is a blessing, as it turned out, mm -hmm. if I only listened to those around me. And it, it's <laughs> so important to surround yourself with godly friends godly people who you can respect and at that point I did not I did not follow the leading of God and it and what happened was I stayed 10 days in China while the missionary friends went into North Korea I couldn't go because I had a military background and uh, 
It was a learning experience. Not that I shouldn't have gone, but I should have listened to my friends that I surrounded myself with who kept telling me, no, don't go. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And I don't know about dynamics. <clears throat> we had two, two girls at home, and the other two were gone. You know? yeah. So marriage and that. So introducing other people in your family in son-in-laws, sure. daughter-in-laws. Yeah, the family starts growing again. Yeah. Right? So, <clears throat> so you guys, early season, marriage, just the two of you, start having kids. You get kids, all four kids at home. Then they start leaving. Now they're all gone. And you're in this season of, Bob, I'm not even sure. Like, you're sort of retired, but you work all the time. <laughs> It, it just a little side note too. Bob's parents came to live with us for a while too. Okay. In this time frame when um, we still had four kids four at home, kids at home. home. so it was a really yeah. big, lively family. Yeah, lots sure. of organizational skills you need to pull that <laughs> off. Yeah, again, it's about feed and water a lot. Sure. Just yeah, lot, lots of lots of managing. A lot of, yeah, yeah, but a lot of support. So. But then maybe, you know, in that time frame, to be quite honest, probably the other things kind of went by the wayside. Okay. okay. Some yeah. spiritual and all that. But, yeah. I mean, for us, as a communication with us. And, you know, you always don't f communicate really well with your children at time frames. It gets good, and then it gets kind of cr crummy sometimes. Sure. So they don't want to communicate with you. <laughs> uh, do they communicate with you now? Yes. Okay. So it's, so it's a circle, like, right? Eventually they come back and they want the advice again, right? So, so how is this season different? Like emptiness, retired, like this is the season all of us are dreaming about, right? I don't know, I've been to, she's been to Africa with me a couple of times. I've been nine times on the missions. Okay. And it's been a blessing. Um, I can remember my first night in, in uh, Liberia that I was laying on a dirt floor and I saw a spider, and I'm exaggerating the size of my hand. And I thought, what in the world am I doing here? And then I get home, I say, what a blessing. What a blessing mm -hmm. to serve the Lord. And uh, anyway, that's a big change <clears throat> for us. We've been doing sure. lots of traveling. Some just for personal pleasure, but also on the mission field. And uh, it's, it's been great. It's been wonderful. Yeah. But yeah. you've got to stay active. You can't just stay in your house and say, you know, enough's enough. I've done my... No. God is always calling you to do something. Mm. Always. You've got to listen to still small voice. Yeah. Well, we're fortunate because our children don't live far away so we're we can be close sure. to our grandchildren so my always my desire is my grandchildren will always want to come to my place and it'll be a, a good place for them to come mm -hmm. and yeah there they are and that my children will that and we have i think as i look now we have a great relationship i think because they're all adults now they're sure. our children but i don't i look at them as my adult friends mm -hmm. so yeah has and there we been we tried to still talk to each other well We're that that's good yeah, we, we that's got a good. lot of practice yeah well that that was going to be my question <laughs> so 
transitioning into empty nest, all the kids are gone. Now you start having grandkids and you're traveling and all these. Did, did you guys have to relearn anything about each other that maybe the, you, you mentioned some, some of those, some of those things got lost uh, maybe weren't regular practice when all the kids were at home and then Bob's parents are there. Did you guys have to relearn anything when it was just the two of you again? Yeah, we did. I like to talk a lot. I have a lot of words. Bob always says, well, what would he say? 20,000 words a woman can do a day and 7,000 a man. So I had to remember that I had to stop talking part of the time. Because I want an instant answer with Bob. I want to tell him this, and then I want him to give me the instant answer, right? That doesn't always work with him. Sure. So we had to learn that, I think, again, to mm. learn that. And learn to be honest. Sometimes it's hard to be honest and say, this is enough. We just have to think about this. and Yeah. Mm. But still spend time together, don't you think? We still need to spend time together. Yeah. Yeah. Is there something is there something that you know now that you wish you would have known years ago? Actually I shared it with my wife this morning. Okay. You don't get it yet. <laughs> he wants to use his words. <laughs> and by the way, goodness of God mm. and we sang I wanted to call Carrie and tell her I wanted that song this morning but I didn't <laughs> so it's a God thing yeah because that's on my list I have a list to be sung at my funeral but this is what I wanted to share maybe I can find it and this is I challenge everybody here to do this and I did this it says here, November 2nd, 2011, okay. so about 12 years ago. My personal mission statement and priorities in my life. Priorities in my life, you may have a different set. This is what mine are. I don't think I'd ever shared this with you before this, this morning. morning. <laughs> I told God I'd be willing to obey. There's four points here. I told God I'd be willing to obey. Two, I'd be sensitive to listen to him. Consecrate my heart to him. And show deep responsibility and respect for his presence in my life. It's not every day I look at that, but I do look at it often. And my mission statement is to glorify God by being a godly husband and father and seeing my gift of administration and knowledge of science and agriculture for the building up of the body of Christ and the furthermore of his gospel. Yeah, that's good. But I ain't perfect. Let me tell you, I made so many mistakes in my life and uh, just by the grace of God, we didn't even get into our backgrounds. I mean, when we sold... When me and my sister sold my mom and dad's house, the people told us, told me afterwards, they had to sell it because they got tired of the coons and the possums coming in. 
That's the, that's the kind of background I had. And it's because of this girl beside me that I'm where I'm at today with my faith. Mm. Amen. Amen. Is there anything else you want to impart on us? Wisdom? <laughs> How about enjoy, that Enjoy picture? the ride. Enjoy the ride. The ride on that motorcycle? Yeah. What? Or enjoy. Yeah, it's kind of an ox. <laughs> My granddaughter looked at this picture yesterday, and she goes, Grandma, I don't think people wear those kind of clothes when they ride <laughs> And I said, well, that's your papa wanted that motorcycle, and we were doing some 100s celebration. Two, two, two incomes. No kids. You can do that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> but it, that's my advice, is to enjoy the ride. Yes, there's not always going to be. It's going to be hard. There is hard. Mm. It is hard. Yeah. It, because sin is here in the world. Sure. But enjoy that. And for, uh, for me, what I wanted for us and even for our children is to love Jesus, to love your mate, uh, to enjoy the th good things that God has given you, mm -hmm. to enjoy your work, to find a job and occupation that you love and enjoy <clears throat> that. And be thankful always for the goodness God's given. Yeah, yeah. Even if it doesn't seem like it's good. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. Well, thanks for sharing today, guys. Can, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? Yes. Yeah. Father God, thanks for this morning. Um, God, thank you for <clears throat> Bob and Teresa and just their marriage. Uh, God, the example uh, that they are to so many others. Uh, God, just this journey that you've brought them on. Um, and God, the, the fact that their, their journey isn't over. Uh, God, they are still desiring to serve you. Lord, wherever you call them to go, God, whatever you call them to do, um, Lord, they want to obey. Um, God, they want to follow you. And God, for that, I'm thankful um, for that example in front of us. God, would you continue to grow their faith, grow their relationship together, um, and that they would continue to serve you as you lead them. God, we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thanks, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, real quick, if you guys would, let's go to Psalm 30. Psalm 30. I'm going to try not to get tangled up in this. This may end poorly. <clears throat> I think Psalm 30 uh, is, is just a, a really interesting psalm uh, when, when you think about marriage. Because um, I, I want you to see some of these things that are here. Psalm 30 says this, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you, his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. 
As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face. I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry. And to the Lord, I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Like when you think about in the context of marriage, how often do we need to cry out to our God for help? Even if you're not married, how often do you just need to cry out to God? David says these two phrases. He says that that we need to cry out, that he cried out for help, and that he cried out for mercy. Now, I don't know about you, but in crying out for help, is that an easy or a difficult thing? Depending on the context, sometimes it's really difficult for me just to ask anybody for help. Have you reached a point in your life where you realize there is nowhere else and no one else to turn to but God himself? When you get to that point, do you cry out to God? You see, King David knew this, not just from a practice, not just from his upbringing it wasn't just a religious thing for him king david knew this from experience that he cried out to god for help and look what he says in verse two and you have healed me he had experienced it Maybe that's what we're longing for this morning is the experience of crying out to God and being healed. He says in verse 3, O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life. Then he says in verse 8, to cry out for mercy. He says, to you, O Lord, I cry. And to the Lord, I plead for mercy. David was pleading for mercy, this desperate petition to the Lord to not give him what he deserved. Oh God, would you hold back and show mercy, not just towards me, but towards the people of Israel. God, not just towards the people of Israel, but to us now. Do you realize that Christ dying on the cross in our place is us receiving mercy because Christ took the death that we deserved? But do we plead with the Lord? Listen, I'm not talking about bargaining. Because some of us have gotten to a point in our lives where we try to make a deal with God, right? And it's not for a cheeseburger. The deal is much greater. God, if you would just do this for me in this moment, I'll serve you 
for the rest of my life. But look at the track record of your life. How well have you kept your end of the bargain? You see, David's not talking about bargaining with God. No, he's talking about desperately petitioning the Lord and praying in such a way that we expect God to hear and to answer. You see, sometimes I think we come to the Lord and say that we're pleading, but yet we're actually asking in an uncertain way as to whether or not God could actually do that thing. But what would it look like if we came to the Lord and pleaded, God, show mercy towards me. God, give, give me grace where I need it. God, would you, would you save that person? God, would you rescue that individual? God, would you change the direction of my life? Don't miss what David says here. Look at verse 4. David knows from practice and experience that he has cried out to God and God has healed him. God has helped him. He's pleaded with God for mercy and God has shown mercy to him. And then he says in verse 4, he says, Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints. For his anger is but for a moment and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. When David says to the, the saints, he's talking about those who follow God. He says, those of us who are saints, those of us who are following God, we need to sing praises to our God. Not just when we feel like it, but always singing praises to him, giving thanks to him for the things that we're experiencing, for the things that he's done. And then he says, the Lord responds in this way. His anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. The writer of Hebrews talks about that same idea and the character of God when he shares of the practice of discipline. None of us like discipline in the moment, right? But God is disciplining us for our good. You see, some of us approach God as if he's always angry with us, as, as if he doesn't want us to experience joy. He doesn't want us to have any fun in our lives. See, some of us and some people in our culture think that Christianity is boring and it's just a list of all the things that you can't do. But you see, when you're following God and following him deeply according to his commands, you see, you experience joy in doing the things that please God. You see, you begin to forget about the things that you no longer do because God is changing the desires of your heart. And then look what David says in verse 11. He says, God, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. 
Why? That my glory may sing you praise and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. God has turned our mourning. He's turned our suffering into joy, into dancing. When we sing praises to our God, we shouldn't be like bumps on a log who don't move. No, we should be as children of God who shout, who sing, who dance. Why? Because we know the Creator. We know the God who changes everything. And even when we experience suffering and mourning, there's joy that comes In the next day, the scriptures say that his mercies are new each morning. But what do we do with that? Because maybe some of us haven't experienced the things that King David has experienced. Maybe some of us haven't experienced uh, the, the crying out to God for help and experiencing him helping us. Well, what if... God actually has answered your prayer and helped you, but he's helped you according to his will and not yours. What if God has given you the answer that he desires, not the answer that we desire? What if you're sitting here this morning and you believe that you've come to the end? There's no hope left. There's nowhere else to turn. Let me encourage you in this. Would you cry out to God for help this morning? Because what I know, not just from practice, but also from experience, is that when you cry out to the Lord for help, He hears you. He hears you. And what I love about our God is that when we cry out for help, here's what I think He does. You see, we cry out for help, and God comes near. He doesn't stay away. He doesn't look at us and say, we'll figure it out on your own. You see, God comes near, and he takes his hands, and he wraps them around us, and God holds us. Would you cry out to God this morning? If you're following God, would you... Give thanks to him this morning. Let's do that together as we sing praises and we respond to him. Father God, 